May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. At Christmas, we celebrated tidings of comfort and joy, good news that God came in the flesh to live as one of us and to save us. Jesus, we proclaimed, came as light to dispel the world's darkness. This happy theme continued at the Epiphany on January 6th, when we celebrated that light shining before Gentile visitors from the East, the famous wise men or Magi. On Sundays after the Epiphany, we have seen Christ's light shining at his baptism in the Jordan River and at the wedding feast at Cana when he turned water into wine. Last Sunday, we read of Jesus' light shining brightly in his hometown synagogue when he declared that by him, God had brought long-promised good news to the poor, sight to the blind, release to the captives, and freedom for the oppressed. Even yesterday, the 2nd of February, which the church calls the Feast of the Presentation, we remember the faithful old man Simeon and the faithful old woman Anna testifying to Mary and Joseph and others in the temple that Christ is nothing less than a light to bring all of humanity into the saving relationship that Israel had enjoyed. So we've basked in the warmth and assurance of this message of Christ, the light of the world, for a long time. So today's gospel may seem to strike a different note, may even come as a bit of a shock. Everything starts out all right, as members of the synagogue in Nazareth receive with wonder and perhaps pride Jesus' proclamation that God is fulfilling God's ancient promises through him. But then Jesus confronts them with things they don't want to hear. He knows that they will tend to reject his prophetic and messianic role, especially since through him God would act powerfully even among those outside the Israelite fold. By giving two examples of how this had happened in the scriptural record of centuries past, one having to do with something in Sidon and another having to do with a Syrian, Jesus infuriates the hometown folks to the point where they drive him out of town to the edge of a cliff, hoping that they might destroy him. Jesus here had done what no prudent clergy person would do. He spoke the truth so boldly and heedlessly that he apparently made enemies of his congregation. This, I didn't get any laughs at 7.30 on that. So thank you. <laughs> this, this, this bothers us because it doesn't fit with our image of the meek and mild Jesus. Where are his manners, we Southerners might secretly be wondering? Where, for that matter is the sort of love we read about today in 1 Corinthians, the love that is patient and kind, that is not rude and that doesn't insist on its own way. What's going on here? But we do believe that Jesus was acting out of love when he confronted the hometown folks. He was always acting out of love. 
God, frankly, has prerogatives that we don't. While church members should treat each other, as Paul describes in 1 Corinthians 13, God can be impatient. <laughs> Divine impatience, and shall we say tough love, is sometimes warranted. We should not insist on our own way, Paul tells us, but I would say it's okay for God to insist on God's own way. <laughs> because Paul says in today's epistle that we only see in part now. We only have partial knowledge and perception, but God sees and knows all. So it's okay for, for God to insist on God's uh, agenda to try to, to try to call us to account. And it's in this context that we can best understand prophetic figures through the ages among whom Jesus is preeminent. True prophets speak for God out of love, and sometimes their messages are hard to hear and accept. The Nazarenes and others in Jesus' day needed a wake-up call. They thought everything was fine just the way it was. They couldn't see or admit to the darkness among them, which God in Christ was struggling to overcome. They were not open to God doing a new thing among them. We Christians are also prone to this kind of blindness and complacency. At our baptisms, we starkly acknowledge the darkness with which we contend, rejecting it and turning to Christ, the only one who defeats and dispels all darkness. We promise to follow and obey him as Savior and Lord, promoting not our own agenda, but God's, whenever and however we can. But in our day-to-day -day lives, we often forget that we should be not self-directed, but God-directed. In other words, God knows better than we do. Sometimes we're on the same page, but not, not always. We forget to let God push us along in the direction of love, as hard and uncomfortable as that may be. Just as God pushed Jeremiah forward in the direction of love, and he suffered a lot for it. Just as God pushed Jesus along, uh, in his mission, and of course he suffered for it. I recently saw a movie that beautifully illustrates how we can be caught up in darkness, or sin if you will, both individual and corporate, without fully being aware of it. This film is called The Wife, starring Glenn Close. It is about a couple who for many years have been deceiving both other people and themselves. The husband is a famous writer of fiction who ultimately wins the Nobel Prize, but his wife is the secret to his success, bringing his wooden prose to life. The two of them began colluding in this way in the 1950s when it was much harder for a woman than for a man to get attention from publishers. So, acting amid the injustice and prejudice of society at large, of course they're, you know, uh, compromised by that, the husband pretended both to himself and to the world that the achievement was his. The wife participated in this deception, gaining in the process comforts such as family prestige and a house by the sea. And when all the, the truth started coming to the surface, 
the husband pointed out, look, you got what you wanted too. And of course the marriage begins to fall apart. Love was not the basis of this marriage, or if it was love, it was tainted with dishonesty. Like folks at the synagogue in Nazareth, the couple were so close to the situation that they could not fully see what was going on. And they deceived themselves into thinking that everything was just fine the way it was. By the way, in the Bible, deception is one of the devil's key tactics. Puritans in colonial Massachusetts called the devil the old deluder. So easy for us to be deluded. The church itself has not been immune to the devil's attempts to deceive us into acting contrary to our baptismal vows. We have promised to reject worldly ways that degrade or exploit others, and we promise to follow Christ's lead. Yet we Anglicans, like other Christians, have often failed. Um, while we've made some progress in this area, we have not fully embraced throughout the church the rise of women's leadership uh, and seen it as the positive good that it is. That was a stretch for the church, and we've, we've come a long way, but we're not totally there yet. Other parts of, of the larger church, of course, uh, are determined to reject that what I would regard as spirit-led change altogether. So darkness still threatens us. Growth in God's ways is sometimes difficult because we, like the Nazarenes, prefer things as they are and feel threatened by change. However, following the living Christ necessitates our giving up control and going where the Spirit leads. The English priest Rosemary Lane Priestley notes that if we let God, God will draw us beyond the blindness and limitations of the moment to a richer future that we cannot fully imagine. She writes, The God we are seeking is the God who made a choice to experience the mess and the wonder, the paradox and unknowns, the fragility and questions of human life. If we open our own life journey to the companionship of God, the God we know in Christ, we will be pulled beyond our current understanding and familiar categories towards a wider orientation, away from privilege and boundaries, and towards inclusion of experiences and people we don't at first understand. Here at Trinity Cathedral, we are again approaching a turning point as we prepare for a change of leadership next year. We should keep in mind today's lesson from Nazareth, that we must be open to what God has in store for us, which may well surprise us and even make us uncomfortable. And we take confidence that if we are open to it, as Jesus himself was, God will move us in the direction of love, however challenging that might be.